So we're going to go ahead and get started now. My name is Sharon Hayes, Pastor Sharon Hayes, and I pastor here uh, with my husband. And we are just so thankful that God chose to use our family. You know, I want to start off this morning with the prayer that David was praying um, in the book of Chronicles, you know, I think about um, how we here and now are being blessed from promises God made to people who came before us. And, and, and when they were here, we really weren't a part of this other than in the heart and the mind of God. You know, as we see our history evolve, we see that we became a part because we were adopted into the family. And I thank God for that adoption. And let me tell you something. I don't feel like no secondary child. I feel in this adoption, I am as a child that was born into it. Because let me tell you, the Bible said Jesus' side was pierced and out of it came blood and water. And, and, and that was the birth of the church. And through that came the grace of God where I was given my salvation through his grace and adopted into his family. So I thank God for that. But we've been talking about the justice of God. And I tell you, Pastor Lester had a word for us Sunday talking about the justice of God. And when he spoke about it, he talked about quite a, a, a few definitions of justice. And I want to talk about the justice of God. I tell you, he brought that word forth to us Sunday. And I just want to build on what he has already said. Uh, might have a few little different scriptures, but that's okay. It, it's all about God's divine justice. And pastor gave us some definitions and I tell you the word was really really good he talked to us about justice what the bible has to say to, about justice he also talked to us about the justice that you know um, man's justice but when we look at the justice of God and how we as Christians see that justice you know, what is the justice of God? And we look at it and we say uh, the justice of God. When we look in the word, it talks to us about absent, you know, with God and his justice. Justice of God is the absence and impossibility of any moral disorder within himself talking about within God there there is no there is no uh moral disorder within God and God wants that to carry over into his people God's justice is thus equivalent to his infinite holiness and perfect goodness see God is good 
God don't shortcome anyone. God will go the extra mile. Yes. He will walk even further than we need him to go for us. Just to make sure that we have a chance to accept him and to be like him. You see, Jesus paid a price for us. And I thank him for doing that. When we look in the book, I really started my text in the book of First Chronicles, talking about what is justice and looking up some scriptures about justice. And I looked at David. David was a man after God's mm -hmm. own heart. And so here this morning, we're going to take a look at David, how he wanted that justice in him. He wanted to reign over God's people through true justice. But I got to tell you, if we're going to do that, we got to pray to God that his justice dwell in us. You know, sometimes... You know, we try to, in man's world, equal justice with the law. But let me tell you, God said you got to go a little further than that. It's got to be some mercy and grace in here too. And so we've got to understand that man's justice might just call for man's law. But God justice says it's got to be some mercy and some grace in there. Man just take the part of showing a person what they've done wrong and how they're going to be punished with it. God justice is laced with mercy, grace, and love where we come to a point where God will show us what we've done wrong, but he also show us how to get it right. This is where mercy and grace come in. It holds back the hand of passing judgment upon us to show us how we can get this right, how we don't have to go this route anymore. And so that's what David chose to, to have justice over God's people. Let, let's look at David, how he prepared himself. See, we got to prepare ourselves to walk in justice. In other words, what I'm saying, we have to decide how we're going to live. Are we going to live by man's justice or are we going to live by God's justice? And let me tell you, in God's justice, along with that mercy, that grace and that love, it brings about forgiveness. And forgiving sometimes for some people are is not as easy for some as it is for others. But forgiveness have to be a part of this. So what David, let's see how David prepared himself. In the book of First Chronicle, going to chapter 17, and I really want to start at verse 16. Now understand, I'm going to go over this portion just to show how David prepared himself and what he prepared himself for. And if you start at verse 16, we'll realize David is praying unto God. And here, David's prayer, let's, let's go ahead and read this. Here we are in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 17, starting at verse 16, and David is praying unto God. 
And let's read verse 16. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O God? And what is my house that thou have brought me hitherto? Now, I'm going to take a little break and talk about this for a minute. David here is asking God because David really, I can imagine his mind is just blown how God has considered him and how God is blessing him and working with him. And so David, he says, who am I, O Lord? And what is my house? In other words, I'm just a little piece of dust here on this earth. And what is my house that thou have brought me hitherto? He goes on in verse 17 and says, And yet this was a small thing in thy eyes, O God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant house for a great while to come. David's thinking about even back when Abraham was, God was speaking about the house that was yet to come. And so he goes on and he said, For thou hast also spoken of thy servant house for a great while to come and has regarded me according to the estate of a man of high degree, O Lord God. See, we got to understand, God don't see us how we see ourselves. He didn't see David. David saw himself as something small. David saw himself as, you know, coming from the bottom up. And some of us see ourselves that way. We look at ourselves how people have treated us instead of looking at ourselves how God sees us. And so David said, you're regarding me. You're looking at me as a man of high degree. And then he says, oh, Lord, God, because it's blowing David's mind how God see him. And I'm telling you all, we got to understand that God, even though we see ourselves where we are right now, God sees a finished product. He see us as great men and women of God. He see us as people who will bring things forward on his behalf. People who are willing to do what we have to do to, to be a part of God's will. Now, we all understand that we're only a smart, small part of God's will, but a small part of God's will is something great. It's something magnificent. It's awesome. And that's how God see us. David said, you see me and my estate. You see me as a man to the state of a man of a high degree. Understand, God see you as a high degree. I don't care what people have said about you. Then he goes on in verse 18. What can David speak? more to thee for the honor of thy servant, for thou hast known thy servant. So David's saying, God, I don't even know what to say. You have honored me so much. You have treated me 
in such an honorable way. And you have brought my self-esteem up so high. I didn't even realize that you looked at me that way. But now I see that you hold me, your servant, in honor. And he goes on in verse 19. Oh, Lord, for thy servant's sake, and according to thy own heart, has thy done all this greatness to make known all these great things. Oh, Lord, there is none like thee. Neither is there any God besides thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Verse 21, and what one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem, to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving out nations from before thy people whom thou has redeemed out of Egypt. Oh, let's take a pause here and look. You see what has happened, he has redeemed his people out of Egypt. And he, David is acknowledging that. David is acknowledging that from where Abraham came and where he is now, the great <coughs> things that God has done, redeeming his people out of Egypt. And I tell you, God has done some great things. He has done great things on the behalf <coughs> of his people. And it's wonderful that David is acknowledging that. You know, when he talked about being redeemed, he, he wanted to make sure that God understood that he had, he realized that God had redeemed him. And you know, when you look at that, it's in the Old Testament. But if you go over to the book of Colossians, oh my God, in the book of First uh, Colossians, the first chapter, verses 13 and 14. And when we take a look at that, not only did he redeem them, David is acknowledging that God has paid a price for them, that he has bought Israel back. And when Israel was in prison and, in, and working for the Egyptian, how God brought him back. But let me tell you, that wasn't just in the Old Testament they redeemed. When you look in the book of Colossians, the first chapter, verses 13 and 14, listen what it has to say about our redemption. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You see, not only was Israel bought back, but Jesus came and bought us back and we have been redeemed by his love, blood. We have been brought out of darkness and see sometimes for some people darkness can be different things 
In the Old Testament, when they were in Egypt, they were dealing with a darkness of being in slavery, of being beaten and made to work, where in the New Testament, Jesus is looking at how we were enslaved in sin. And sin was keeping us enslaved. And so here we see that he redeemed us. He brought us back out of that darkness. And David goes on back in the book of First Chronicles, the 17th chapter. You know, we just looked at verse 21, how he redeemed his people out of Egypt. Verse 22 reads, For thy people Israel, didst thou make thy own people forever? And thou, Lord, became their God. You see, even now, we look at how we've been made God's people. Even though they were talking about from Egypt being bought back, but we've got to understand we've been bought back from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We belong to God now. Verse 23. Therefore now, Lord, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forever. And do as thou hast said. You see, this is what we have to do. Turn it over to God. What you say about us, God. I'm willing to go where you want to take me. I'm willing to be what you want me to be. No more my will, but thou will be done in my life. And see, David here is telling God, I'm ready. I'm ready to be the man, the saint, the Christian, the child of God that you want me to be. David knew he wasn't perfect, but he knew that he could reach the perfection, the maturity that God had called him to be in as a leader because he was the leader of Israel at that time. And it was up to him to lead God people. And he wanted to be the best that he could be. And I'm telling you right now, we are God's spokesmen. We are God's spokeswomen. We are the people who are speaking out and trying to be a leader in this earth today. To lead God's people and the people of this world to God. Not away from him, but to his righteousness, to his justness. You know, we look at all the things that are going on in the world, how people are being treated because of the color of their skin, because of their gender. You know, every man, every woman have fallen short of God's righteousness. That's why Jesus died for us. But it's amazing that how we want to make a record to follow men and women of color and and their gender and where they came from to try to hold them back in the system from getting jobs, from being able to participate in some of the things that are offered through our government because they have a record. 
But then you have people who have committed more crimes and because of the color of their skin, maybe they were just given a warning, don't do that again, and sent away. Where because of the color of our skin and our gender sometimes, that they're going to write a ticket. They're going to arrest. They're going to send to court. They're going to make sure that there is a record. But David said, I want to be a man who can be over God's people and run it justly and be fair to everyone. And so we go on here and we see in verse 24, he said, let eat even be established that thou name may be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God of Israel, and let the house of David thy servant be established before thee. For thou, O my God, hast told thy servant that thou will build him a house. Therefore, Thy servant have found in his heart to pray before thee. Verse 26. And now, Lord, thou art God and has promised this goodness unto thy servant. Now, therefore, let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may be before thee forever, for thou have blessed Blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. David was assured that what God had blessed, no man could curse. And because you have spoke, God, this blessing over your house, that it shall be done. And I want to bring it to today. God has spoke a blessing over his people. He's made promises to us, and God is keeping his promises. We got to move forward in the promises of God and, and allow what God has said about us to be. David says here, and I read that prayer that we will understand. In praying that prayer, David moves on and in verse 18, in, I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 14, the beginning of this chapter talked about all the things God had allowed God, David, to do. What he was praying and giving thanks for, how they had conquered a lot of these other kings, other tribes, and God had brought them to a point where they were had been established in the land. And you see, God had did this for them because he promised it to them. And David understanding that God is bringing Israel along for a purpose, understanding that his life and the people life, our life, even today, is for a purpose. It's so that we can show people that Jesus is the example. And we are following him and we are trying to establish and will establish his word in the earth. So David comes along in verse in chapter 18, still in First Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 14. And this is what David is saying. 
So the Bible tells us, so David reigned over all of Israel. Yes, he did, because God gave him that. He made him leader. And listen to this, and executed judgment and justice among all his people. Talk about David in a leadership role went right ahead and executed judgment over all God's people. Now, when we take a look at what God's justice and God's judgment is, this is when we understand a bigger part of our purpose of being here on earth. Because David understood that that's what God wanted that executed judgment and justice among all his people. But you see, God not only wanted David to do that, but he wanted David to execute God's justice, God's judgment, not just man. And it's important that we know the difference between the two so we can understand that God is calling for a higher moral and ethical justice to be executed over his people. Let's look at this word justice. So we listen to how pastor preached to us and I read this morning the <coughs> um, meaning of justice. And I want to look just a little further Add just a little bit, another perspective of it. So when we look at David reigning over all of Israel, this justice, when you look up that word justice, the old Hebrew language, it's a word meaning sardak. It's a verb. And if you look it up in the Strong's, it's H, which stands for Hebrew, 6663. It comes from a root word that means make right, to be just of God, to cleanse, to put or make right, be justified. And we know that is only one that can justify us. His name is Jesus Christ. This same word stemming from the root word was used in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, the um, 21st chapter, verse 13. And I know I read that Sunday, and it reads like this. It is joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Now, here we see the word judgment, because understand, David prayer was to execute judgment and justice among his people. Those two things go together. Judgment, misposh. This is a word that comes from a Hebrew word. And it means um, act of deciding a case, place, court. Seat of judgment is a process, a procedure of litigation. It's executing uh, the rights and the privilege due legally. So we've got to look at 
the rights and the privileges of God's people. You see, not by man's account, but by God's account. And that is so important that when we speak on justice, that we are talking about God's justice. In the book of Isaiah, the first <coughs> chapter, and I think I want to turn to that because I uh, wrote down Isaiah 17, but I really want to read Isaiah 16, 17, and 18. It's in the book of Isaiah, the first chapter. If you don't mind going there with me, I know it'll be a blessing to you. I know it will because it definitely was a blessing to me. And so here we see in Isaiah, God is talking to his people. And when we look at uh, how Isaiah was writing this and how God had talked to his people, he says in verse 16, this is Isaiah, the first chapter, starting at verse 16, and we're going to read 16, 17, and 18. And I think later uh, tonight, when I finish this up, we'll go a little deeper in the book of Isaiah, the first chapter, verse 16, 17, and 18. And it reads, Wash ye, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. This is what God is calling of his people. Cease. To do evil. Verse 17. Learn to do well. Seek. Judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. So here we see God is telling them what he don't want. And what he want. You see. Doing it man's way, that, that won't get it with God. That is not what God is looking for out of his people. Even though we live in this world, we're not of this world. We seek a higher justice. We seek higher judgment. We seek what God is looking for. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Then in verse 18, he said, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Thus, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. God is calling his people to a higher calling. Not to what man say is the right thing or the wrong thing, but what is justice in the eyes of God? What judgment is God calling for? Now, it's very easy for us to understand when we're being judged by God how we want mercy, how we want grace. But 
when we're in the position and we've been offended by somebody, when we talk about judgment and justice, we're not talking about just executing some form of punishment upon someone. God, even before the punishment, God want to give them an opportunity to repent of sin, to put it away, to change their way so they don't have to be punished. You know, Jesus took the punishment for us. He hung on the cross. He took it for us so we could make a change, so we could turn to God. We could repent, turn from our evil way. And God is calling us to that same justice for others. You know, I knew a young lady. I used to work with her. And even though it was amazing to me, and I told her one day, I said, you know, you want to walk in grace, but every time somebody does something to you, she started quoting scriptures in the Old Testament where, where they said an eye for an eye. You know, that if that person does this against me, I have the right to do this against them. Then she began to quote scriptures how uh, David asked God to punish his enemies. I said, but it's amazing that when it's you, it's always about God's grace and God's mercy. But God wants us to give people the same grace and mercy Amen. and forgiveness and love that Amen. we want from him. Hallelujah. God is looking for us to execute his judgment, his justice. God don't see color. God is not moved by color. God is not moved by gender. God want his people to walk in what he walks in. That's love. That's mercy. That's grace. That's forgiveness. Not always saying, oh God, they did this against me. Sometimes when people do wrong, we need to look at what made them do that wrong. You don't know what kind of home they were brought up mm -hmm. in. You don't know what they endured last night. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a cry for help. Yeah, it's a so. cry that to, to, you come, you speak in my life, execution of justice <clears throat> and judgment. Sometimes the justice and judgment is getting them out of that situation. Oh, come on. Jesus is calling us to a higher calling. Not a calling of always what telling somebody what they've done wrong and putting them in their place. But when we see them out of place, know that something is wrong. We got to understand people are acting out because they need help. Mm -hmm. This world <clears throat> and the things that are going on, mm -hmm. beat it out of them. Beat love out of them. Beat hope out of them. And we are here to bring it back. To say there is hope in mm -hmm. God. Yes. Justice in God. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to trust in him. 
It was amazing one day, Pastor Lester and I, we were walking, and this young man walked by us. We were doing our little five-mile walk for that day, two miles out, two and a half miles out, two and a half miles back. And it was this young man. Af it was a African-American, uh, black, brown, a young man. And you could look at his face. I looked at his face because I try to hold my head up and speak to people. I want people to re know I respect them enough, regardless to how you dress. He wasn't dressed the best. He didn't comb his hair. Looked like he didn't even wash his face. But I wanted to look him in the eye and let him know I respect you. I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't know what has been going on in your life. I don't know what you're living in. But I could see the hardness on him. I could see the hurt. He walked with his shoulders down and looking down to the ground. And there was no smile on his face. You see hurt and hardness in him. And I wanted to look him in the eye. And I wanted to say good morning. I wanted to say hello. I wanted him to know I respect you enough as a human being that I'm going to open my mouth and speak to you in kindness. That man would not look up. I said hello. He said not a word. He just kept walking. Head down. And he kept going. And as he walked away in the opposite, of, opposite direction of me, I began to pray. I said, Lord, I don't know what this man went through, but I see it's beating him down. I see it's been over a long period. It has been a beat down to him. I said, but God, I want him to know there is hope in Jesus Christ. Bring someone in his life that can speak to him that he will listen to. You know, I couldn't go stop him. He wouldn't even respond to me when I spoke to him. But that's okay. I'm not heartbroken by that. I realize that I need to pray. I need to pray for God's mercy, for his justice, for his love, his forgiveness to be in this young man's life. I could tell he was a young man, but his face looked very hard. It looked as though he had endured some things that I might not even can imagine. I don't know of. See, and this is my whole point. We don't know what people go through. We don't know why sometimes they can act mean or be, you know, road rage. We see all these things today. But I want to say to you, that's a cry out for help. And even if we're not the ones that can help them, we can pray for them. We can ask God to help them out of these situations. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand when you have lived a life of being without all the time, of being told that you're nothing, you're nobody, you're secondary, you're inferior to everybody else, if you don't know God, if you don't understand what God have said about you, you will begin to believe that. Yes, 
You'll begin to believe it. You'll begin to live in that manner. Mm-hmm. You will begin to act that way. Yes, Lord. And mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. what happened is you began to, that's all you yes, know. Yes, 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 yes. Lord. It becomes a place in life where all you're thinking about is survival. Yes, all you're Lord. thinking about, can I eat? Can I breathe? Mm-hmm. Will I have somewhere to sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. And God said, see, that is oppression. That is oppression. Mm. That is evil. That is coming down on people in a way that no one should be, Mm, 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 should mm, live that way. No one should have to endure Mm, that. mm, But people mm, each mm, and every day of mm, their lives mm, are enduring mm, that. mm. But we know Mm. they can have a better life. We know God has given us a better life. Yes, 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 yes. We haven't been in life where we are now. We mm. haven't been saved all our life. Mm. And we haven't had the things that we have now all our life. Mm. I remember as a child how we moved so much. My mm. daddy would always try to take a step up. Mm. We, was, we started out in a place mm. in, in mm. Columbus, Georgia. And if I called the name of the place, Kindred Quarter. Everybody know that was the ghetto. Everybody know that was a housing area. In Columbus, they knew that was probably one of the worst places you can live. But you know what? My mama and daddy prayed over us and kept us until they could try to keep us as safe as they could till they could move forward. Mm. When they could move, we moved into a house into a different neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My daddy mm-hmm. would tell us, you, you better go to school. You better get an education. Mm-hmm. He tried to teach us, he and my mama, to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. I think about, I thought about when I saw that man. I said, I don't know what he had lived through. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he got a place to live. Mm-hmm. But my heart went out to him and I began to pl- pray because I know mm-hmm. I haven't lived in a place like I live in now. I'm not going to tell you it's a palace, but I will say it's my palace. God have brought us from a place where we used to be to a place of comfort in him. And I'm not worried about where my next meal come from. I'm not worried about if I'll have a roof over my head. But I can't forget that there are still people who lived in a place like I lived in as a little child. Here shooting and fighting, cussing and stabbing during the night. You in your house think you locked up. People don't care if your light on or nothing. They be trying to beat your back door down. But see, we got alarms. We set them. We got cameras outside the house. We live in neighborhoods. They got signs up, no soliciting. Your neighbor over there watching out for you just like you watching out for them. Everybody not living in a neighborhood like that. And it is injustice in the eyes of God how people are are living such a substandard life now because we live in a country that is rich. No one should go hungry. 
No one should have to live in a house with half the roof gone. And God is calling us to a higher calling. I tell you, I, I, I didn't mean to get off on a tantrum, but we got to look at justice and injustice. And we got to bring it to God's justice. And we've got to pray for that. Am I saying we're going to change the world? Yes, we're going to change it with prayer. Because God told us it is going to change one day. It's going to come a day that how we see this earth is going to fade away. He said it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So yes, it is going to change. I want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to just shut it down and finish this up tonight. In the book of Micah, the sixth chapter and the eighth verse, it reads, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what do the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. See, God is calling us to a higher calling. We're not going to change the world by ourselves. God is the leader of that. He's really going to do it. But what we're going to do is be spokespeople right here in this earth to let people know that a change is coming, that God has promised us more than what we're living in now. So I thank God for you listening this morning, even though I'm closing up now. This is not the end of this message. This is not the end. We're talking about here right now, God's justice. And we're going to finish up, up tonight. We're going to go ahead and close out with a prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, you are a just God. And your justice includes righteousness. Your justice, God, is for all people, no matter what the skin color, the gender, no matter where they come from. If we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are your children. We are your people. We are included in those that Jesus gave his life for. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anyone right now who doesn't know Jesus in the pardon of their sin. Father, I pray that they will go to the word of God. Oh, Father, in the book of Roman, God. Roman, the 10th chapter, verses 9 and 10. Lord, I pray that they and we all will honor these words. Your word says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Mm, mm, mm. So here in reading these scriptures, we know that we have to confess with our mouths mm, 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 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And our confession is made unto salvation. So if you're out there and you believe in your heart, mm, 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 if you will confess with your mouth that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ mm, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you do believe, Open your mouth and confess it unto God. You don't have to confess it to us. That's why you can do it right now, even if you're there alone or you think you're alone. I want you to know God is there with you. The Holy Ghost is there. And he's there to receive you as a child. Just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and thou shalt be saved. For the Bible says... That we should not be ashamed. We can go on in life and not be ashamed. And know that God is our Father and we are his children. And Father, we continue to pray that those who are oppressed, those God who are gone without and who are living in substandard condition and raising their children with no hope at all or with the hope of only moving to that when they get older, they can move around the corner to another government apartment to live. God, I pray for a higher hope. I pray that they understand that you are God and you have more in, that you have given us in life than to hope for only that. God, we want our children to understand that they can go on and be great men and women in this world to help others, but mostly all, most of all, in you, that they can lead and guide others unto the graciousness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we give you thanks for this day. We see it as another day we can tell someone about the goodness of God, about the love of God, about how God loves us and cares for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.